Are you making the money but still feel unfulfilled? Got a business that you're trying to build. You wanna live a life of abundance, but something is missing. Think it's time you took a listen to the CFO mission. Welcome back to the CFO Mission Podcast. I'm your CFO and your host, Phil Mazur, and today the subject is your identity. And we're going to talk specifically about how to change your identity. No, we're not talking about your gender. We're not going to get into that kind of crap and garbage on this uh, podcast. But here's here's the interesting thing. I already recorded this podcast and it was garbage. I realized that I didn't get as deep as I wanted to get. And I would sum it up as saying the identity of who I am didn't show up on that version that I just recorded earlier today. And so I'm going to freestyle this bad boy and we're going to see how it goes. And uh, the prior podcasts that I've recorded up to this point have been mostly written. They've all been outlined except for one where I talked about my $100 million mission, but they've all been outlined, rehearsed, scripted, whatever you want to call it. And for the most part, read. So today's going to be different. So we'll see how it goes. It's going to be a little bit different. So bear with me here. It might, it might be a little slow. There might be some extra pauses here as I think, but this is reality. This is truth. And if I'm serving you up anything, During this podcast and any of my time with you, it's going to be truth. And sometimes with truth, you just got to sit, you got to wait a little bit and you got to pause and you got to think, you got to connect to God and see what, what are you trying to show me right now? And in this case for me, what do you want me to say? So I'm going to speak from flow here and see how it goes. Now the journey, I wanted to talk about something I call the journey. And I'm still going to talk about that. The journey of a person who is in business, in the business world, whether they're inside of a company or they are uh, an entrepreneur, there's a couple different journeys you go through and there's identities that exist within these journeys. And we need to change or shift our identities along our journey if we want to get to where we want to go. So I reference back to my first few episodes when I talked about who are you? And who do you want to be? Where are you? And where do you want to go? Those same uh, terms are going to apply here. But as I thought about what I wanted to talk about today, I, I didn't want it just to be some chart here that I got as I'm looking at my iPad, listing all these different characteristics of these different identities. I mean, I didn't want to just teach you guys this. I need this to be impactful. Because we are all in a place where we need to or we want to change who we are. There is crap about ourselves that we are not happy with. We're not. And what the problem is, is that we're all freaking liars to ourselves. We're liars to ourselves and we don't do it on purpose. This is the biggest problem here that I want to expose to you guys. We don't understand that we're doing this. So you need to think deep and you need to think internally as I'm talking to you today. I'm going to start with a story. And I don't even know how this story is going to play out in terms of this subject, but it's a it's a deep personal story that goes back to my childhood. And I was raised in the Catholic faith. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it was a uh, strong 
uh, Eastern European immigration, uh, you know, type of background. My my great grandparents, I think, were from uh, Slovakia, and the Roman Catholic religion was was widely practiced. I mean, pictures of the Pope on the wall at my grand, grandma's house and things like that. And so we went to church religiously every Sunday. Had to go, dragged to church, altar boy, all that stuff. I always had to clarify. I was not one of the molested altar boys. It's sad that you have to kind of uh, kind of qualify yourself there. But here's here's the story. I was in second grade, and you have to do these sacraments when you're in, when you're Catholic sacrament. And so the sacrament was reconciliation, which is basically where you confess your sins. So I go in. So I go into a Catholic school. We go into this. Uh, there was all the people in second grade. I don't know, maybe twenty kids. Big ceremony. It was. On, I think it was on Saturday. We're at church. And uh, each kid, one by one, goes into the room, whatever, with the priest. Again, safe place. Um, it doesn't seem like a safe place as I talk about it now. But you confess your sin. So very, you're really nervous, right? This is the first time you, you come up with like these six or seven things. I lie to my parents. I, I yell at them. I talk back. I'm mean to my sister and things like this. And um, you get all this stuff out and the priest says, okay, you will be... Um, your sins are forgiven. Your penance is this. And you're supposed to go do your penance. And when you do your penance, this is when your sins will then be forgiven. And th- this is what I, this is how I understood it. So the, the priest says, okay, uh, your penance is to go tell your mom and dad that you love them. And then you go and say like, 10 Hail Marys or some, something like that. I remember going out uh, to the to the front of the church and there was a, all these candles and you would kneel in front of these candles and, and say your prayers and then you'd go back and sit in the pew. <laughs> this, is a, this is a story because the penance for me was a big deal. It was heavy for me. I had never told my parents that I loved them at that point. I was seven, eight years old, something like that. And uh, it was very uncomfortable for me because my home, we didn't, we didn't express emotion like that. I don't remember my parents telling me that they love me. As I, as I grew older, I remember that a lot from my mom, but not from my dad. And so I'll skip to the point here. I didn't do my penance. I didn't do it. So like my sins were not forgiven. And I went through life for a significant number of years with guilt and shame around the fact, the simple fact that I didn't do my penance. It was extremely hard for me to tell my parents that I love them. I'm not going to try to explain to you why, but that's just the reality of it. Years, 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 and years, and years. And there, there got to a point in my in my life where, where it was normal to say, I love you to my mom. Um, so that wasn't, uh, that wasn't a thing that, that I carried, but with my dad, it was different. And I remember being a teenager and we had this, you know, still in the Catholic thing with my parents. And they told me that I needed to go to confession again, Easter time. They were like, you need to go to confession before Easter every year. Or you're like, you're like shunned, like you can't go to communion anymore. So it got to this point where I, I didn't go 
And like, I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't take confession or I didn't take communion at church. And like my parents walked past me. It was, it was like, I wasn't good enough. And now I was exposed like publicly because people looked at me like, well, why isn't Phil going to communion? He, oh, he must not have went to confession to me. And the reason why I'm sharing this story is to tell you that I was, I was working or living inside of this frame, inside of this identity that was defined inside of this faith and that said, because you didn't do this, you can't do that, or you can't become that, or you're not a part of this or us. And I didn't want to be a part of it. <laughs> That's the crazy thing about it. I didn't want to be a part of this thing. But the feelings, the, the, the feelings of like tr- being trapped, being guilty, being shameful. But more so it was as I grew up and got more mature and I spent 10, 10, 15 years distant from faith in general out of church, it just pushed me away. And it pushed me to this place of like, that is not for me. The connection to God is not for me. It was not shown to me as an option. So it wasn't like I saw this opportunity there to have a relationship with God and I chose not to, not to do it. It wasn't that. It was like, I didn't really even know what existed. To the same token, what would it be like to have a relationship where you expressed emotion to your parents? on a higher level. I didn't, I didn't see that as an idea or as an opportunity that could possibly happen. So there was an identity issue. There was an identity, there was a description of the identity in which I existed when it came to religion for a massive period of my life. I'm talking decades, right? And imagine this, this is happening as I'm growing, as I'm becoming an adolescent, as I'm becoming a young young adult, as I am starting a family, getting married, all of this bullshit is inside of my head. All these stories that I'm kind of telling you now, they're, they're shaping everything that I do. They're shaping everything I can or cannot become. So stay with me here. This is relevant to business because I played small. I played small in the business world. I have this little chart here that obviously you can't see if you're listening to this, but there's two boxes here. One's one's on the left is a box of people who work for other people or work for companies. And I've, and I've got three kind of identities here. I've got the employee, the manager, and the executive. And the employee is somebody who comes in with education. They don't really have much else. Like when I started my first job, all I had was an education. I had some internship experience. I you know, had some other odd jobs, but nothing worked that would be qualify me for working for a company. It was potential based on education, right? There had to be a shift in my identity in order to move up the ranks to become a manager. I had to have experience. Then I was able to manage people. But even as a manager, at some point I had to manage my first person, right? So I wasn't qualified for that. At some point I had to step into that identity and there was a lack of respect. There was a lack of authority uh, that, that I commanded, but I had to step into there and I had to earn it again as a manager. And eventually I did. And then, then there was executive. It was like, how am I going to become a CFO? How the am I going to do that? Excuse my language. I'm kind of fired up today, but that's what I wanted. 
That's what I wanted, right? Higher levels of leadership, higher levels of performance and results. You know, the executive gets the results. So there's different identities. And as you want to progress, you have to know what's out there. You have to know what exists, the possibilities, but you also have to understand where you are and what you need to do. What is the gap between where you are now and where you want to go? So I saw some gaps. I worked my way up through those ranks. So for me, it's interesting because my, my, my spiritual journey kind of, kind of runs parallel with my entrepreneurial journey. That's why this story is relevant. I'm seeing this and you're, you're seeing this in real time. People I have no idea what I'm, what I'm about to talk about today. I came into all of this pain, all of this pain, right? And it brought me to a, a, it brought me to my knees, but it brought me to a different uh, possibility of religion and faith and God that I didn't know about. Somebody painted this picture for me of what it could become or what you could have. And thank God for that. Thank God for my friends that, le- that led me to that space and told me about that possibility, that new identity that I could have in Christ. Thank God for them. It exposed the gap, though. There was a gap of making a decision. There was a, there was a simple gap, like a small, like a, it was a big step, but it was a step that I could take immediately. It was like, okay, I can step over into this world where I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I can do that today. It still took me a while to take that step. I was like tiptoeing my way up on there, but I finally got it. But then there was this massive step of transformation, massive step of transformation that needed to occur. And now I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. There's, there's like, there's like this, there's this freedom story that you heard about several episodes ago. There's that. That's kind of a, that's another identity shift. All these stories. But then, then there's leading people. Then there's leading movements. There's, there's, there's massive identity shifts that you can take inside of your spiritual walk. Leading my family, leading my wife, all these, all these things. So I look at the business person and the person who starts their own business or branches out on their own, whether they started at an early age or they make a leap like me later on in life, it was this identity shift. It was the story shift, but it was also an understanding of how could you possibly do this? You still need to know, you know, we sh- if you're going to make these I- identity shifts, changes, growth, you still have to be clued into what that looks like. Because if you try to take a, a step that's more like a leap, you can fall down into a pit. And we don't want that. You don't want that. There are certain pits that are good because it, it kind of makes you, it kind of gives you this irritation. And you're like, okay, you use that pain to, to elevate yourself. And that's a, a lot of what happened to me. But when I went inside of my spiritual journey and I, I made that, that, that step to, to really understanding that all this penance and all that other bullcrap didn't mean anything. And I could step out of that guilt and shame that had been inside of me for 30 years. That opened up massive possibilities, not just in my spiritual walk, but in my entire life. So if you can imagine why I would become a CFO that's talking about more than just money, this is why, because that spiritual connection unlocked all the other abundance in my life. But this is back in 2018, paralleling to these stories that I've told already inside of my podcast. And I was making that leap, that decision to say, all right, 
I want to get out of working for somebody and I want to start being my own boss. What does that look like? What does that identity look like? I had to have some awareness there. And I, I've defined that as a, uh, the authority identity, the authoritative identity. To be able to go out and create income for yourself, you have to have these, these characteristics. You have to be an expert. You have to be able to generate a following. You have to have certain skills. And when you do that, you will then experience the abundance that comes with working on your own. And that's what I was able to do. But I had to know the gap between where I was and what I wanted to do. And that gap was not just identity. There were practical things with this. There was a money conversation about that gap. How, how can I do this financially? What is my runway? How many months do I have of cash in order to not put my family at risk for certain things? And it, and it then exposed gaps physically because there were, I talked about those, those changes in my, uh, in my morning routine, my exercise routine and all that kind of stuff. These were identity changes that started to happen and shift inside of me that were in my body, not even related to my business or so I thought. All part of an identity shift. What I want you guys to understand is that in order to get where you want to go, you not only got to know where you're going, you got to know who you are and who you need to be in order to get to that place. So back to my story, I experienced freedom. This is 2018, 19 timeframe. There was a story that still existed. There was a history. There was this whole 30 years of Catholic stuff. There was this whole, um, I don't really say, express emotion to my father. And I made it a point to break those walls. Let's call it that. Break the walls that's, that, that were between one identity and another identity. An identity that I couldn't stand anymore and an identity that I wanted to have. I wanted to have a relationship with my dad at a certain level. Also, in order to get that, had to do things myself. What does that mean? It means if I wanted my dad to say something, I had to say something to him first. He wasn't going to make the move. This isn't about him. This is about me. It could have happened, but this was about me. I had to start making steps to say, what would that relationship look like? It's very interesting that I ended up bringing up this story because I never really told my dad this story and he'll listen to this. And back in 2019, um, there was definitely a spiritual connection to this because um, my dad, my dad doesn't hear very well. So, and he lives in Pittsburgh and I live in Alabama now. So I don't see him very often face to face. So we, t we talk on the phone, um, but mostly through email because that's, it's just easier to get to the point. <laughs> you know, I don't have to repeat myself and vice versa. So lots of emails going back and forth, um, on a regular basis to, as primary freedom of communication. And I'm inside of this freedom group. I was actually in this, this whole freedom uh, church thing that I talked about several episodes ago. We actually went to this conference, right? And I'm in there and a guy's praying over me. And if you don't believe in spiritual stuff and prayer stuff and like, I get it, man. I totally get it. But you want to know why I believe it? It's because of this kind of stuff I'm about to tell you. So this guy, um, basically, the, the this this conference is like 
drinking from a fire hose in terms of freedom, which is all about, you know, exposing stories that you have in your mind, breaking the chains and praying over them and, and getting over all this guilt and shame and all this stuff. So we, we addressed all kinds of issues and we're literally <laughs> an interesting subject. We are, we are in a section where they're actually talking about a lot of like sexual stuff in terms of, uh, breaking the bonds of, of, uh, let's just call it ungodly relationships. So you, you know, everybody has those. And, um, so anyway, the, the part of the exercise was to like write down the names of of all these people that you have been with and kind of like rip it up and say it's gone and da 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 da. And so after each section, and I'm not laughing because this is funny. It's actually a very powerful thing. But what's funny about it is for me, I go up to this. Um, basically, you go through a line of people and you just, you just you accept prayer. You know, you don't even have to do it if you don't want to. So I go. I'm letting this guy pray, pray for me. And he's supposed to be praying for like all my, you know, all this history stuff. And he just looks at me. He's like, tell me about your dad. And I was like, whoa, I'm thinking this is my, nothing, none of that kind of stuff ever happened with my dad. (laughs) Again, not funny, but he's like, tell me, tell me about him. And, and we got into this conversation of you know, saying I love you and my whole Catholic thing, this whole penance thing that I had never really done. Now, I mind you, not to over dramatize this, there was another one. I'm pretty sure I had told my dad I love you by this point, but maybe once, maybe once. Uh, it just wasn't, it was so uncomfortable. So, I, it, yeah, this guy prays over me, whatever. Later, just right after that, I'm in the lobby. Um, just taking a break and I'm scrolling through my emails on my phone. My dad had written me an email and at the end of the email, he, he, he signed like love dad or I love you dad. And I was like, what? and, and this is a big deal. Cause it wasn't just like you would sign an email like that. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, normal for us. Like it would be for a lot of people. And so that's why, that's why it matters to me because there was that moment there where it was like, okay, only God, that timing of all of that. And it opened up this relationship where my dad and I right now, my dad's 80 years old, almost 80 years old. My mom's passed away. And over the last five years, there's been a dialogue with my parents, mostly my dad, because my mom had Alzheimer's. She, she, when she died, she, there wasn't really a lot of communication going on with her, but there was a level of emotion and a level of love that was shown and expressed over the last four or five years because of these breakthroughs and these changes in identity that I had that has allowed me to go through things like my mom passing away with zero regret, zero guilt, zero shame with me saying everything I wanted to say to my mom before she died. And that is a freaking gift from God that not everybody can get. And it only happened because I decided to change my identity when it came to those relationships and the way we communicated and so on and so forth. And with my dad now, I can say, dad, I love you. I've told him that many times. He'll listen to this. Dad, I love you. I I appreciate my dad so much for everything that he did for me and my brother and sister and my mom and how he, my dad, man, he changed his identity. This is crazy. My dad like the guy who shows no emotion, right? Most of my life becomes the caretaker for my my ailing mother who has Alzheimer's, literally the last three years of her life, pretty much three years, 
she fell at one point and then she was done walking. She, she, she was bedridden. He was like, no, she is going to die in my house and I'm going to take care of her. This is the identity that I've chosen. And we're like, how could you do that? Like me and my brother and sister were like surprised by it. We just assumed my mom would be in a home when she died. And no, my dad chose to change his identity, seemingly impossible to the rest of the world and everybody that knows him based on his history of who he who he was. Not that he was a bad person. He just didn't. And I saw my dad express emotion at levels that I wouldn't have been able to fathom and do that for my mom and, and show up as a dad in a way that I wouldn't want to say made up for everything that was missed because I didn't I didn't feel like like he needed to make up for anything. But like it just showed me so much about him and, and it showed love to me as his son through the way he treated my mother. He changed his identity. At 75 years old, really, it was kind of happening a little bit before that um, as he, her last eight or nine years were, were progressively declining. You can change your identity, but you have to decide how you want to end your life. How do you want to end your life? So I'm going to skip forward on this little chart that I have written out for y'all, which is inside of this box of running your own business, because this is this is. This is important. This is this is why it matters, because I can go. I have one, two, three. I have four little phases we skipped through here. Five roles I've identified inside of owning your own business. I have authority. I then have entrepreneur. Then I have CEO. Then I have founder, and then I have philanthropist. But I'm gonna skip the philanthropist and just the some of the descriptions I have or characteristics under there. I have legacy, change the world. Those are the, two, the only two things I really wrote as my notes. And if I had to skip back to the section where we were talking about people uh, working for somebody else, it's very limited. Because unless you're working for somebody that's making change in the world, whew, good luck doing that yourself within your job. And that was definitely a part of the leap for me. I was like, I need to go and make impact. And I didn't even think it would be at the levels that I'm doing now and at the levels that I have vision for in the future, i.e. $100 million mission. But if I wouldn't have made that leap, if I wouldn't have chosen to change my identity five years ago, none of this would even be possible. You wouldn't be hearing me speak. You wouldn't be feeling something yourself that says, ooh, how am I actually going to do what I really want to do in my heart if I don't make a move? And that's the point, everybody. The point is you want to be a philanthropist or whatever you want to call it. You want to change the world. You want to make impact. You have causes that you care about. You have people that you care about. I mean, we could just talk about your family and your kids, but let's, let's talk about, let's talk about the causes you've got out there. Like my mom, uh, Alzheimer's, I would love to be helping people with Alzheimer's or the, just the whole just a whole disease. My, uh, my, my aunt passed away many years ago, ovarian cancer. My cousin has a strong leadership role inside the national ovarian cancer coalition. I support that, that organization, like massive impact happening. But if you don't choose to step in that role, like if my cousin doesn't choose to step into a leadership role, you can't make the impact. He had to change his identity. His identity had to be one where he said, "Okay, if I'm going to be if I'm going to work for somebody, I'm going to work and I'm going to and I'm going to produce at a level that's going to allow me to also have this membership or this board of directors membership and have this impact 
in another part of my life. And maybe, maybe there's, I don't even know his whole situation on how he did that, but you have to figure out how you have to figure out what version of you can actually do those things. And if you're sitting in a place where you're saying, oh, I can't do that because I'm at this company, or I can't do that because this is what my business does, or I can't do that because my employees, nah, 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 nah. shut up. Stop. It's ridiculous BS that you're telling yourself. They're all lies. They're all lies. And when I put this in the framework of somebody who has a relationship with God, it's very simple. When you get up there, and your days are over, and you go there for the judgment, you'll be accepted in. But when he looks at you and says, did you do everything you could have done? And you say, but my employees this, and my company that, meh, 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 meh. do you think he's going to care? I don't. I don't. And I don't care if you even put a spiritual twist on that or not. Did you do everything that you could possibly do to change the world? This world is a fucked up place. It is so messed up. So messed up. Who is going to change it? Politicians? No. Even the religious stuff, it's not going to change it. Right? If, if you're in, like inside of your church, you know, the pastors can only do so much. They're trying to get people saved. Who's going to make transformation? We're not just going to pray our way to all these problems going away. We're not. We have to take action and to take action, you have to make bold moves and you have to change your personal identity consistently if you want to be able to make those changes. So give you a little bit more rundown on the business side of it. If you want to go from an authority or an expert and actually be an entrepreneur, you're going to run into some other stuff. Labels are going to be removed from you if you're going to be an entrepreneur. So you're going to have to be able to go from, I'm an authority in this space. For me, this was the CFO space. You want to go be an entrepreneur for you? Okay, you're going to have to remove that accounting label, whatever. So that's what I, that's what I had to do there. I had to experience, if I want to have multiple revenue streams, I've got to do multiple things. And you can't just go do multiple things. You have to figure out how could I possibly execute that? And that's where I ended up with EOS, with accounting, outsourced accounting, fractional CFO, all this stuff. I'm not saying it was perfect. It wasn't perfect. But it allowed me to move into more of an entrepreneurial phase. When you do that, you then have to start getting really good at fulfillment, advertising, marketing, sales. These are the key pieces of production. All right. So if I was, when I was an authority figure, I could get business organically up to basically my capacity level. Step into entrepreneurship, you want to scale, you have to have sales skills. You have to have production skills, right? But that's really all you need. That's really all you need. If you want to become CFO, I'm sorry, CEO, whole different ballgame, whole different set of identity here because you're not talking about just producing. So for me, the biggest shift was sales. I had to become a salesperson and learn how to do that. That was a big shift to get into the entrepreneurial identity. But CEO, you're not just leading people because the entrepreneurs, you can have, you're going to have people, right? You're going to get people doing some work, delegating stuff. You're going to have teams, right? CEO, you're talking about stepping into a place where you're not only managing people and teams, you're managing other leaders. It's one thing to be a leader. It's another thing to be a leader of leaders. And the reality is most entrepreneurs aren't really good leaders. They're still more experts. And then they're just trying to delegate. 
So expert deli, and then find yourself doing this whole trial and error thing. Well, they can never do it as good as me. So eh, they're fired. Three years later, after you wasted a bunch of time, you might've got some production, but then you, everybody wants to be a CEO and have a leadership team. And I experienced a lot of, this is, this is where I experienced most, this is where I made most of my money, by the way, <laughs> this is where I experienced the biggest problems is in the entrepreneur CEO identity crisis. It's like, am I an entrepreneur or am I a CEO? Am I? You don't know. You don't know. You want to be this, but you're really this. And sometimes you're only that. Like sometimes you're really just an expert owning a job still. So there's a lot of identity issues whenever you want to have breakthrough inside of your business. So fun stories to tell you. Now I'm breaking it down into the business level, but the CEO also has to get more sophisticated in the money game. CEO is now going to have to learn about how to optimize your profit. And of course, you'd want to do that as an entrepreneur, but you step out and the CEO, like you're not customer facing anymore. Not that much. No, you got to get really learn at really good at maximizing profit. This is systems, processes, data. This is where I came in and just crushed people because it's like, you have no data. You have no optics on what's actually working and not working in the business. Data optics at a CEO level has to be automated, systematized, like always know. This is where like dashboards and stuff come into play. But how many times would I, I, we created all these fancy dashboards? Nobody freaking looked at them. Why? Because you're playing the, you're still playing in the expert authority space 80% of your time. You're still playing in the entrepreneur space, trying to, trying to start another business when you haven't even gotten the one that you've been running dialed in yet with their data and their optics. And they're like, so I was like, people say, oh, I'm going to go start this other thing. You're only making like a 12% profit margin. You're an idiot. You are an idiot. Why would you, why would you expand your 12% profit margin empire? Makes no sense whatsoever. You're not great. You're not elite yet. You're not CEO, right? And so then what's after that is founder. Founders where you're giving up control. You're just a stakeholder or a board member. That's a great place to aspire to be. And with that, you can then kind of move into the philanthropist. But the way I see it, the founder, philanthropist, that, that to me is like end of career stuff. When you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, like you should be crushing the entrepreneur game, crushing the CEO game. But what I want you guys to understand today is that, take a breath, you got plenty of time. I want you to know you've got plenty of time because actually there isn't much time. Like this world, we don't, we don't have that much time in it. But you need to be like, I've got plenty of time because if you slow down a bit and learn to be excellent inside of your current identity, and you understand what it takes to get to the next level of identity, you can think very clearly. And you can think very strategically, just like you want to think strategically on your businesses, and you do. Think strategically about yourself. Look at yourself and say, where am I at inside of my like sales skills? Like, What is my ability to close? How comfortable am I talking to somebody? How comfortable am I doing a podcast, freelancing? How comfortable are you going on Facebook and speaking live. This is something that I had to address over the last couple of years. It's like, I would do it a little bit, do it, do it, dabble, 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 not become elite. Well, it takes time. It takes reps. 
practice those kind of things before you start trying to be a founder of a business that is going to change the world because you might make some change in the world, but you're not going to do it at the level that you are capable of. If you try to skip steps, if you try to make massive leaps in who you are, you're going to fall into these ditches. You're not even going to realize you're there. You're going to end up like swimming around, like treading water inside of your 12% crappy profit margins. Right. And I, I have a mission to, to get $100 million out, out the door into organizations and to, to needy people and all this kind of stuff. Like, I don't have time to screw around. I don't have time to be doing like a million a year, two million a year. We need to be doing 10. We need to be doing 20, 30, 50. So in order to do that, I have to look at myself and say, well, am I just going to be, am I, a, am, I, am, I, am I talking about being a philanthropist? Actually, no, I'm talking about running this thing as a business. Because I'm not so focused on the organizations that we're helping in my personal connection. Hey, all that's good. I need to get the machine running because it still has to run like a machine. Feeling good about stuff isn't going to get stuff done. Feeling bad about the needy people in the world isn't going to help them. I'm sorry. It's not. It's not good enough. Same thing applies to your marriage. Same thing applies to your kids. What's your identity as a father? Are you an absentee dad? You work all the time. You talk to your kids about hard shit. You talk to your kids about God. You talk to your kids about their schoolwork. You talk to your kids about your friends. Do you talk to them about what they want to be when they grow up? Do you tell them you love them? Do you tell them what to do? Do you put them in a box? A small box? Or do you put them in a big box? Do you put them in a box... Without a lid, somewhat shut lid. I'm not judging you either way. I'm not saying what's right and what's wrong. But look at who you are as a father. Look at who you are as a husband. Do you tell your wife what to do? Do you have open open and honest communication? Do you have the sex life that you want? These are real questions. These are questions that matter. Because you know what happens when people don't talk about these things? They go 30 years in a shitty marriage and then they get divorced after 30 years. Does that make a lot of sense to you? It doesn't to me. I'm not going to have that happen. I'm going to have the conversations that matter now. We are where we are. We are right where we're supposed to be. Where you want to go is your choice. Who do you want to be? What is it going to take to get there and stay there and continue to move up, 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 continue to do more, 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 continue to show more love, continue to give more money, continue to help more people, continue to have a better marriage, continue to be a better father, continue to leave a bigger legacy in your family and in your world. What is it going to take? What is the identity that you need to assume next? Because we need you The world needs you to show up like that person now. This is the CFO Mission Podcast. 